Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, today's a very special day. I have one of my very good friends and a fellow pastor. I'll let him introduce himself. I'm really excited about uh, just him being able to share his heart and the conversation that we're about to have, whether you're joining on YouTube, on iTunes, on Google, or Facebook, or wherever you're joining. We're actually on iHeart now, so that's kind of kind of new, so that's pretty cool. So if you're joining on iHeart, welcome. We actually recorded a conversation last week, and uh, it I didn't get the audio on his end, so I kind of kind of botched that up, but uh, we, uh, we got it again this week, so uh, introduce yourself to the masses. All right. This is going viral. Hey, Jonah. Man, I'm excited to be on this uh, podcast again. I have a kaleidoscope of colors that have been in chaos. My name is Ken Neether. I'm the lead pastor of Crossover Church in Southfield, Michigan. And so we've been doing that about three and a half years. I am the husband of one wife. You have to say that nowadays, of Talise. And I have a five and seven-year-old, seven-year-old daughter named Kennedy, five-year-old son named Lincoln. And uh, just kind of the background, just about my story, typical story, Um, grew up in church, but didn't necessarily grow up in Christ. Uh, I was a drug baby. My mama drugged me to church. And uh, I remember going to church in my pajamas, my PJs, man, didn't want to be there, but my mom made me go. Uh, But the good part about it, um, I don't believe I would be here today if it wasn't for her obedience, still taking me to church, even when I didn't want to be there. And so grew up. Went to high school, played basketball, college, played basketball. I'm sitting down, but I'm six foot six. And then had an opportunity to play ball overseas, Lithuania, Russia, Latvia, those uh, different places. And uh, in the middle of a basketball game, I heard God's voice, like you're hearing me right now, if we're recording the audio. Just joking. Yeah, we we got the audio. (laughs) And I felt the Lord tell me to go home. And so I left playing ball, went home. Uh, gave my life to Christ in my mother's bedroom where I know she was praying for me. And um, after that part, just trying to figure out, okay, God, what's next? What am I going to do? I already graduated from college, so I had no clue what to do next. Um, but then I had an impression to go back to school, become a secondary educational teacher. So I did that for about seven years in the inner city of Detroit. Also played basketball, excuse me, coached basketball, was an athletic director as well. And so that's where I kind of, you know, got my feet a little wet when it comes to ministry, you know, dealing with uh, teenagers, because if you can talk to teenagers and engage teenagers, then I believe you can talk to anybody about the gospel. So that's kind of the snapshot of my story. Where were you at when uh, when the Lord just kind of captured your heart? You were overseas somewhere. Where were you? Yeah, specifically Latvia. So so when you were there, was there anything kind of specific, kind of the context going on? When you started to feel the Lord start tugging at your heart, was there conversations you were having or you said it was in the middle of a basketball game. So was there anything kind of leading up to that? Yeah, I think beforehand, you know, um, all I want to do is play basketball. So I have an opportunity now to play basketball um, over in Europe professionally to get paid to do it. And then it's kind of like you get there and it's not what you thought it would be. Kind of that hope, that desire was kind of fading away. And You know, I tell people all the time when you go overseas, you can be anybody you want to be and nobody would know. Right. I'm so far away from home. Felt like the prodigal son. Right. Luke chapter 15 just went off to a far off country, spent his resources, spent his money. And then he looked up in a place where he never thought he would be. And so he ended up going back to the father's house. And so that's kind of my story. Just kind of broken, saying this is not it. God, what am I doing? 
And um, I felt the Lord really prompted me to go back home from there. And um, man, it's 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 still one of the best decisions that I've made because I wouldn't be here now. But it's just, again, it's one step of obedience. Um, just back then, I never thought that I'd be pastoring a church in ministry. Didn't even know what that meant at that time. But God knew, mm-hmm. right? And it's just one of those things where our future is in God's past. That He already knows when we're born, all the people we need to talk to, all the places we're going to be. But I think there are some times where God says, okay, enough is enough. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. snatch you off of the basketball court or whatever you're doing and because I have a plan for you and a purpose. I know I shared with you and I've shared on the podcast before, but like with me, I know that it was like a process of like three months that I felt like the Lord was just kind of drawing me to himself and drawing me to the scripture and everything. And then that moment when I finally just was like, Lord, like I've gotten myself to this point. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't want I didn't want to take my life, um, but I wanted to stop living. And so um, in that moment, I just was just I was just done. And so I just said, Lord, if I got myself to this point, if you can do something with this, you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> like do whatever you want to do with it. Like I'm just at square one. I'm at the end of myself. And it's crazy because at that time, I didn't know John 3 or, you know, just when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus is just like, you know, how, how am I born again? Do I have to crawl in my mother's womb? Um, I, didn't, I didn't really even know those passages. I'm sure I read them, mm-hmm. but um, it was just the Holy Spirit was leading me through the process. And all I had to do was just allow him to, to work within me and, and surrender. That's all, that's all I came down to. So from basketball, you went to teaching. Yes. As you were teaching, uh, that's when you felt the Lord start like saying, hey, I want you to pastor, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, the, the first two years of teaching, I could not stand it. I was in room 202. I hated every minute of it. It's like, God, why do you have me here? I mean, the kids aren't paying attention. I'm looking next door. He has all the bright and beautiful kids. I have all the rugged kids. And I'm like, why can't we switch classrooms? And um you know, starting to get closer to Jesus in my walk and realize, okay, God sends us places. We're on mission. We're not just created to go to a church service and, you know, clap and put our offering in and go back home. Like we live on mission. Jesus says, as the father has sent me, I send you. And so I started to think like, okay, this is my mission field, right? And so I started to realize this is why you have me with the, I don't even want to say rough students, but it's the idea, Ken, one day you're going to be pastoring. And if you think this is difficult, I'm giving you practice. And so I remember there was one student specifically by the name of uh, Joseph. He was a kid who was just, you know, I couldn't stand him getting on my nerves. I'm writing a referral every single day. And literally, uh, one day I kick him out of my classroom. I just go outside. I'm like, you come here every single day. But it's like you don't even want to be here. Like, what is your story? That's a great question to ask, by the way, to somebody. Like, what is your story? And he looks me in the eyes, he starts to break down and cry a little bit, and he says, you're the first person who's ever asked me that. He was a ninth grader. The first teacher to ever ask the question, what is your story? And when you hear a story, now I understood why he was lashing out, because negative attention is attention. And a lot of times when students, whether in your teen ministry, whatever that may be, those quote-unquote problem kids, they're the ones who are reaching out for help. And so the funny story is I wrote the referral, turned it into the office still because I couldn't renege on it. And that was the last referral before he was going to get kicked out the school. So now he had a board meeting and I told Joseph, like, I'm going to vouch for you. I'm going to go to your board meeting. So I had to stay after school for about four or five hours. 
It's myself, Joseph. He didn't have anybody with him. Brothers in jail, never met his dad. I mean, that was his story, right? And yeah. so I'm standing in front of the board. They're about to get ready to kick Joseph out of school. And then I said, you know, I'll vouch for him. I'll take responsibility for him. And they said, well, wait a minute. You're the one who wrote the referral. <laughs> and I said, yeah, about that referral. Uh, pretty much they gave him another opportunity, you know, by the grace of God. And Joseph was a kid who was about to get kicked out of school, probably go through uh, jail, maybe even dead, go to different gangs. Gangs. Joseph was in the ninth grade. He graduated, went to college on a full ride to Marygrove. And Joseph graduated from college. Right. So this is a kid outcast. One of those kids like just get out of our school, you know, and if he went out in the school, he probably would have been, you know, in gangs are dead, ended up just like his other family members. Right. I remember when I picked up Joseph, um, we were doing a different Bible study on Saturdays for a men's group. So I picked him up for a while. I remember going to his house. Right. I looked to the left. It was no door. I looked to the right. It was no door. They were vacant buildings and he lived in the middle. That was his environment. His environment was when he's walking home from school, he had to take off his shoes because if not, different people would come and steal his shoes. And so, you know, by the grace of God, um, you know, Joseph was able to kind of turn a bad situation around. And I think it just goes back to even us, even for us as a church, you know, to have that support system to not give up on people because Jesus has not given up on us. And so from that story, and I can name off a few more, it's just God started to deal with me of like, man, if you really care for people, let me do the work. But at the same time, somebody has to point them to Jesus. And so those were some God moments just for me to be a teacher to realize like, okay, God started to prompt me about what that would look like in terms of ministry, that even if we're pastoring, we don't have to wait till we get behind a pulpit that we can pastor exactly where we are. Everything that you shared has to do with humility. You recognize that it was the Lord working through you in those moments and leading you from, you know, the basketball to the teaching to the to the pastoring. What are some of those obstacles that you felt? I guess looking back, even now, it might be some obstacles that still that you wrestle with and that I know I wrestle with. But what are those obstacles that you can identify that prevented you from from being obedient to the calling that the Lord had on your life? I think the biggest obstacle is me. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're always talking about leadership, but the hardest person to lead is yourself. And so I think insecurities, I think your own deficiencies, I think like, how is this going to work out? And then sometimes we're so selfish. It's like, God, what about me? Like I'm, I'm ministering to everybody else, but what about somebody ministering to me, you know, in this season of my life? And so I think those are some of the major obstacles that actually prevent us from doing what God has called us to do. Right. It's, it's, Exodus chapter three, when Moses gets called by God and he literally says, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And I want you to think about this is because him not being obedient. Those were millions of people who were enslaved that were affected. If Moses said, I didn't want to do it. Now, God could use somebody else. I do understand that. But he wanted to chose or choose Moses. And then Moses says, but wait a minute, man, I got a, I got a stuttering problem. Like there's no way I can go to Pharaoh. The first thing he did was focus on his deficiencies instead of focus on God. And I think we do that sometimes in our life, right? God is calling us to do something. The first thing, wait a, wait a minute, God, it's like, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. But God is the one who initiates the call. And God yeah. already knows our deficiencies, what we're not good at, our hangups, our habits. But he still calls us anyway by his grace. 
And then he says, you know what? I'm going to have Aaron go with you to Pharaoh to speak on your behalf. And for me, when I look at that, I believe that's a, a type and shadow in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit that will come alongside of us and speak on our behalf. And so yeah. he'll never leave or forsake us. He's always going to be with us. That's why the Bible says, don't worry about what to say. You have the comforter inside that will speak to other people as well. So I think we and me and you, we get in our own way of God doing awesome things in our lives, man. And if we can just get out our own way and allow the Holy Spirit to move on behalf of us for other people, I think we would see uh, God do incredible things through us. What would you say to somebody who's just like, I, I don't know, I don't really know what the Lord is calling me to or, or anything like that? What would you say? What would be a place that you would, would invite them to kind of start when it comes to, you know, the, the calling of God in their life? Yeah, well, I believe the first thing God calls us to himself, because that's the first thing. You know, we look at Ephesians chapter two, we're saved by grace through faith, right? That's a call to himself. That's a call to salvation. And then we get to Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, where it says, we are God, we've been created for good works. Well, that's a call to service. So it's a call to salvation, then a call to service. And I think we have to get those in order first. And so um, just kind of talking about that whole experience of me coming back overseas, playing ball, and now going back to school, I commuted three days a week from where I'm at to Saginaw Valley, which was about two hours away um, in the car. And those were some of the greatest moments because I'm listening to sermons, listening to the Bible. And so I turned that car into a classroom and got, that was my sanctuary. And God literally met me there and downloaded so many seeds and gave me dreams and visions and those types of things that I'm still relying on today. You know, so I would just say, number one, I don't believe you discover a purpose. I believe your purpose discovers you. And I believe the more intimate you get with God, the more he reveals to you. Right. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in what's my purpose? What's my plan? Well, your purpose is just to be with Jesus. Right. Yeah. And if you get with Jesus, the Bible says in Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to him. And I think there's an exchange that happens when he gives you a new heart. He gives you new desires. And therefore, when you spend more time with him, he starts to guide you and nudge you in the right direction of what your purpose is. So for me, it was literally simple obedience. Go back to school. I mean, that's it. Yeah. And then from there, I got a phone call from one of my former basketball coaches and said, hey, do you want to coach basketball with me? OK, I'll do that. Yeah. And then I started to do that. And then eventually I started coaching my own basketball team, became an athletic director. And these were just simple steps of obedience, following God. Didn't do everything right, but he just kept nudging me and pulling me and giving me doors to walk through. And it makes me think like even what the scripture talks about, that when we when we seek him, like Jeremiah 29, 13, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And so there's that guarantee of that that pursuit. So pursue me. Yeah. And and I will reveal myself to you. And and again, I mean, the Lord does that however he wants to do that. Like there's there's times like even in your life that you shared and in my life that he just revealed himself even when I may not have been pursuing him. Yeah. He was just like, hey, I'm here. Like, um, you know, and we see that also in the Bible as well. Um, even even Moses, when he was in the when he was there and he was tending to the to the sheep and everything, running away because of his crime, uh, murdering the man in Egypt. God revealed himself through the burning bush. That wasn't anything that Moses asked for that we know of in Scripture. Yeah. It wasn't like he was praying, like, God, show me yourself. What would you say to those that, struggle with um, being vulnerable, opening up, not only to the Lord, but but to others. Um, 
because part of that surrender is that vulnerability. And maybe there's something uh, that somebody's walked through, uh, just pain um, or, or difficulty or scars or wounds. What would you say um, to them to encourage them to open up and surrender for the Lord to do um, his will in their lives? Yeah, one of the things I think is important, um, you know, I don't believe God is the cause of a lot of the pain that we may go through, mm-hmm. but he works those things out for his good. And so number one thing, and I think it goes back to what we talked about before, about understanding your purpose, your destiny. I think your wounds become your future ministry. And so I want to share that because I think it's important that sometimes we think the things we went through, we just went through them and God's not going to get anything out of it. Like the things that hurt you become your future ministry. If you grew up without a mother or father, you probably have a heart now to go back to reach out to younger people who are in the same situation. If you dealt with something in your past that inflicted harm, I'm pretty sure that you have a desire uh, to service those people. So I think that's important too. But I think also understanding that it's important to be vulnerable because you can't minister to someone else if you're not vulnerable. Yesterday, uh, we are part of our discipleship group and it's it's where our men kind of get together in a group of about five people. And what I told them was this. I said, you know, real vulnerability is not waiting for someone to ask you a question and for you to respond. Real vulnerability is stepping up in front of people saying, this is where I'm hurt. This is where I'm struggling. I need help. The Bible says in James chapter five, verse 16, it says healing happens when we confess our sins to one another. So it's like forgiveness happens from God, but healing happens from talking to other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're thinking like, man, God has not forgiven me because I'm still dealing with this. It's no, he's forgiven you. You just haven't confessed it to other people where healing can take place. So I think that's so important that you have to find some people who you're able to be vulnerable with. I mean, in our context, we always talk about three different spaces. We talk about public space, social space and private space. Public space is, I guess, going to church. You know, hey, how you doing? Hey, Jonah, what's up, man? See you next week. Did you see the All-Star game? I mean, it's cool, right? But you're not going to be vulnerable with those people. And then there's social space. That might be a small group where it's like, hey, Jonah, you see the All-Star game? Hey, I'll come over next time and watch it. And we're kind of cool. But then there's private space. And those, I believe, are God-given assignments that, and God-given people that God has ordained where, you know what, we can say, you know, I'm going to open up, you're going to open up. There's nothing that you can say that makes me run away. We're in this together. And the reality is, and we did this yesterday, when someone opened up, everybody else started being vulnerable and we realized there was commonalities around us. We were struggling with the same thing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, I believe, put us together in that moment to be vulnerable, to be transparent and healing took place. But if we come to those uh, events or come to those groups and have friends and we're not vulnerable, we're missing out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that moment because we're not being transparent with one another. What would you say to somebody who um, who has been hurt? They opened up in the public. They opened up uh, in the private. Um, maybe they thought that somewhere was private, but then it turned to be public. You know, what would you say to somebody um, to encourage them to, uh, to open up again? Well, those are real feelings. I mean, that's difficult, right? And the reality is, which is true, but it's hard, love always requires a risk. If I'm going to be vulnerable, it does come with a risk. And so it's so important, again, as I went back to understanding those different spaces, however you want to you know, outline them, 
But what are some God-given people who you can be vulnerable with? So for me, it's, you know, I'm not vulnerable with 50 to 100 people. I don't go on Facebook and tell everybody my story, you know, but there are a select few that I believe God has in my life where they don't, it's not Pastor Ken, you know, they're not impressed by me where I can just be open. And every time you are taking a risk, right? But understanding that God rewards the risk, that when I confess my sins, I'm healed. It doesn't say if I confess my sins, I'm healed if if they treat the matter the correct way and don't say anything to everybody else. No, it's something about the confession out of my mouth that brings healing in that particular situation. So I got to understand the reason I'm confessing to someone else, I'm confessing it for God to actually do something in my heart, not necessarily for someone else to do something in my heart. Yeah, so yeah. I will acknowledge, man, it is difficult. It's tough when you've been portrayed. And I, I've dealt with that before. I'm pretty sure you have. And so mm -hmm. that's not right. You know, I'm sorry for that. But I do believe the process still works and it's worth it if we can pray and find the right people who we can be vulnerable with. And you talked about that having those people around you that are not impressed by you. Yeah. That is not like some type of uh, some type of platform of uh, them looking up to you or even indirectly worshiping you, you know, saying like, oh, you know, that's Pastor Ken. I can't be like that, which in reality, it's it's nothing special about you or me. It's just the Holy Spirit doing a work in wonder in us. Yeah. And the same Holy Spirit that's working in your life and my life is the same Holy Spirit that wants to work in everybody else's life. But Absolutely. it's just that surrender that has to happen first of saying, okay, Lord, I'm yours. My identity is no longer in me and my sin or my flaws or, or, or my weaknesses, but my identity is in you. Like all of my sin was put on you, Christ. So, so my identity is you and you're going to help me be who you've created me to be. What would you say, what would you say um, as some practical, I guess, tips to those who are just struggling with understanding, okay, how do I, how do I pursue the Lord? Like what, what does that look like? What are some, what are some things that you would say would be kind of some of the, the building blocks that they can kind of build upon? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Um, if I bought my wife, let's say in a very expensive watch, that was a thousand dollars and I gave it to her. She would look at that watch and say, thank you. And she'd put it back in the cabinet and never wear it. However, if one of my friends did the same thing with that watch and gave it to their spouse, oh my God, thank you. They wear it all the time. I think this is very important to understand. We have to understand that it's a relationship and God has uniquely designed us differently. What is my wife's love language may be different than somebody else's love language. And God has created us in the image of God. But Jonah, he's created you differently than he's created me. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we do a disservice. This is where I changed over the last couple of years. We do a disservice even on Sunday when we preach and say, hey, if you want to have a devotional life, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, you got to get up early in the morning, light a candle, play Hillsong and study the scriptures for 30 minutes and God will speak to you. No, yeah. that's how God speaks to you. And I think so many people get frustrated because they got try to go through the formula. <laughs> I did this, this, and this, and I didn't get anything out of it. Well, the reality is we got to know how God has uniquely designed us. Some of us love God with our head. Some of us love God with our heart. And some of us love God with our hands. We go to a worship service. We see somebody in the front row, hands lifted up. I mean, they're eating carpet. It's like this person is so holy. It's wonderful. And then you got a person in the parking lot using their hands, fixing things, putting up the banners and things like that. And we automatically assume the person who's snotting on the ground worshiping is more spiritual. Mm 
No, it's probably because they love God with their heart. But the other person loves God more because they're designed with their hands. However, you take that same person who was worshiping God to do outreach. Oh, I don't do that. I just pray. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. we got to understand how God has uniquely designed us. Yeah. So what does that mean for every single person? It, it means it's a relationship. It's not a formula. I can't say three plus two equals five when it comes to the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just like my wife, how did I start to uh, figure out what she likes and, and does not like? It's when I spent time with her. When you start to spend time with God, and it's not just, yes, we should pray. Yes, we should read the word. But sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap <laughs> in God's presence, rest and enjoy. Sometimes it can be going on a long walk. And maybe that's when God speaks to you, right? And so I just say try different things. Don't just get caught up in, in trying to do what everybody else does. And then you get frustrated and say, man, I tried to, to read the Bible. I tried to do those things. It didn't work. Yeah. That's an element of it. But also it's a relationship with God. and He's uniquely designed us to be different. So you have to figure out what God has called you to. Right. He spoke to Moses that we talked about at the burning bush. He yeah. spoke to all these people in the Bible, specifically when they were doing something that they already enjoyed doing. Moses already saw that bush. He, I mean, he was in the backside of a desert. Yeah. But what happened was he noticed there was something different about this bush. So God takes common things to get our attention. He yeah. took me playing basketball, a common thing, and got my attention. So whatever you're doing, I think God can speak through that. Yeah, yeah. And then what God does is just like he did with Moses. Moses, I want to I use you. He says, I don't have anything. He says, what's in your hand? Just use that. Ken, I want to yeah. use you. I don't have anything. What's in your hands? It's a basketball. And so we started to do Bible study with my basketball team. And that's when I first started figuring out, man, God's called me to teach the word of God. I was thinking about uh, Proverbs 19, uh, verse 21. Yeah. Um, it, it says that you can make plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. And then a couple or a proverb after that, it says in Proverbs 20, 24, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Yeah. And I mean, you definitely see that with um, with the, the culture now, especially with youth culture, you see this like overwhelming anxiety and just just this overwhelming um, just burden of what am I going to do? What do I need to do? What what did I not do? And like, what would you say that right now that the Lord is teaching you about how his purposes might not be your purposes or his desires might not be your desires. What are what are some ways that you kind of see how the Lord, how his will may not align with your will, but at the end of the day, like, you know, Lord, your your will is is where I need to be pursuing. Well, first of all, I think God's will is what we would choose if we knew all the details. But the reality is we don't know all the details. You know, I was just thinking about when you share Proverbs 19, 21, you know, it reminds me of Genesis 12. Abraham, go to a place I'll show you. Like, Go to a place. I'll show you. Like, how can I go to a place that I don't know where it's at? Yeah. You know, but we walk by faith. Start walking. God starts talking. It's steps at a time. He orders our steps, not our leaps. God doesn't show us the whole movie. He shows us snapshots. And we have to trust that he's the director and that he will get us where we need to be in the future. Um. So it is hard. That's difficult. So I know I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> no, no. But I want to be honest. Reality. Right? There are things recently that I prayed for, right? And I'm like, what happened? God, was I wrong? Did I not hear you correctly? And it goes back, Proverbs 19, 21. Man can make plans. It's the Lord's purposes 
that prevail. It does not does not mean that you miss God, right? It just means that he had different purposes. And the purposes are for his glory, not necessarily my glory or for my will. And so you can be in the will of God and be frustrated. <laughs> you can be in the will of God and be going through pain, uncomfortability, right? Jesus at the garden, you know, he didn't want to go to the cross. He was in the will of God, though. And think about that. We think sometimes the will of God just means everything is great. You know, sometimes the will of God means we have to endure, but count it all joy because when we mature, we'll be complete, not lacking anything. So what I'll say to that is hold on to your will loosely. Hold on to God's plans and purposes tightly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important because um, there are some things recently that I've went through where I was like, God, I did not see that coming. But I can honestly sit here now and I don't know the whole picture and say, man, that might have been necessary. And let me just say this, because we're kind of in the process now. We kind of talked offline about it, about we've moved six times as a church in three years. So I've planted six churches. All right. That's how I feel, because you move down the street. Everybody's going to leave. That's a whole other podcast. All right. (laughs) I say that to say, like. Man, like six times, like, God, what are you doing? Oh, this is crazy. This is not going to work. I feel like a failure. But each time I realized that, no, he was faithful the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. And now we're in a situation now. And, you know, it's a long story, but we're at a building and everything inside my flesh or what people are saying says you need to move. But God's telling me to stay. And we found favor by staying in those things, but I'm not nervous about it anymore. Like my wife came in one day, you're not nervous? I was just watching TV. No, it's because what I thought was the will of God when I moved to those different places, God had different purposes and he built up a faith inside of me. He deposited all those different things of his faithfulness to this point right now where I'm like, it's going to work out because it worked out the last six times. You see what I'm saying? God looks at the whole picture. We're just struggling with, man, today's Tuesday. (laughs) He's like, I got this whole thing worked out. Your future is in my past. And he uses things, I think, to build up your faith to something in the future that's going to walk you into your destiny. At the end of the day, without faith, it's impossible to see God. And, and I also think about how Jesus um, brought the children into his lap and he said, lest you become like this child, you'll yeah. never know me. You'll never see me. And so, yeah, and we so we get to know God's purposes and plans by spending time in his word, yeah. spending time in prayer. Um, one thing I talked about, I actually, I feel like I talk about this every week, but just that uncomfortability that comes from silence and getting away from all the stimuluses and all the things that um, take our attention and everything, but just saying, okay, Lord, I'm here, like, what do you what what do you want me to see about myself? What do you want me to see about you? And especially when you combine that with the word of God, just saying like, Lord, show me your character and show me my my human condition. Yeah. You know, like every single time we approach the word of God, if we look for that, OK, God, show me your character and show me the human condition. Then we uh, we we come away from that with so many more applications and that intimacy that nothing in this world can rob because we know, OK, at the end of the day, Lord, you are so much bigger than anything, than anything that I'm going through or thinking about or anxieties. And I know I asked you this last time, but what would you say to a younger Ken um, or just somebody just somebody out, out there right now that is just maybe new to this or just confused, hurt, broken, um, anxious, and just like hanging on 
for for dear life what would you say to them um if you just had a a, a couple moments just to uh to just talk to their heart yeah i would say and it changes every single day but you're asking me yeah, this yeah, today. yeah um enjoy the process more than you enjoy the promise it's about what god is going to do through you and to you and in you before he does something for you i remember i was in seminary class and this was worth just the price of admission um where I th the professor said some people make the mistake when they plan a church they think god wants to build the church but he actually wants to build the man and i was like wow that rocked me because god is doing something in us before he does something through us right and so i, I think you got to learn how to embrace the journey instead of just getting to the destination the reality is the children of Israel, right, they came out of Egypt. They didn't go right into the promised land. It's because their mindset wasn't ready to inherit the promised land. Now, they would have been in the promised land quicker if they would have believed God. That's true. But at the end of the day, it's before you get to where God wants you to go, your mind already has to be there before your body gets there. As a man thinketh, so he is. So I think enjoying the journey, realizing what God is doing in my life, and just, man, the promise is not a, a location. The promise is Jesus. Mm. When you got him, you got everything. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes we use him as a means to an end to get what we want, which are actually selfish desires. James says it this way. You have not because you ask not. But the reason you don't have it is because you spend it on your selfish pleasures. So for someone out there who's been praying for something that hasn't been happening, is, is it really about Jesus or is it really about you? You know, and so I'm in this season right now and I'm not saying I do it every single day, but it's those moments where I'm like, God, I don't like this right now. This is uncomfortable right now, but it's teaching me to become closer to you and I'm depending on you more. I think it's a verse in Philippians where it says, I want to know him by his power, right? Everybody knows that Paul says, I want to know him by his power. We love that part. But no one reads the rest of the verse. I want to know him by his power, but also by his sufferings. You can't just have the power. You got to have his sufferings because Jesus has all the power, right? But he suffered as well. And I think that's a great way. Um, that's a double side coin when it comes to understanding Jesus. Is We're going to have powerful moments where he does some awesome things, right? But then we're going to have some moments of suffering. And in both of those instances, it should drop us to our knees to go back to Jesus and say, man, both of those situations made me understand who you are more. And so I would say, don't get caught up in the promise. Get caught up in the journey and the process of what God is going to do because you already got the promise. It's Jesus. And sometimes we miss it by trying to get to a destination when we already have it. Thank you so much for uh, for talking and, yes, and sir. doing this two weeks at an out. You know, <laughs> now we're going to have to make this a tradition. Oh, yeah, we can do it, man. I appreciate your heart and what you're doing. Just yeah. getting the word out of everything. And, and you, as you talked about being vulnerable, man, you're one of the most vulnerable people I know. And you just have a spirit of humility. And God is going to use that. You just, to me, you stay in a posture of brokenness, which is awesome because when people are broken, that's when God can fill us up, man. So I just want to encourage you to keep doing that. Ken, would you, uh, would you mind to, to pray, for, uh, pray for us as we close? Yes, sir. Okay. Awesome. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you just for this conversation. We pray, Lord, that whoever hears this is encouraged, impacted by it, that it will draw us closer to you. But we pray for someone out here who 
maybe is struggling being transparent with other people. Maybe they've been hurt in the past. Lord, I pray that you would heal them right now, that they would seek refuge in you, but that you would bring uh, friends around that they're able to be vulnerable with as well. Lord, we, we are thankful for the journey of what you're doing inside of us. Let us not get weary and well-doing for at the proper time we shall reap a harvest. Let us not just be focused on the end result, but be focused on what you're doing in our hearts right now and even in this season. Help us locate where we really are. Help us become self-aware of our struggles, our inadequacies, and that we would actually give them to you because you know you can still get glory out of it. Lord, I even pray right now for this podcast to go forward, that it be a blessing to people, not just this episode, but the episodes to come. And in the past, I pray that you would bless Jonah and that you would continue to increase his ministry and his platform for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you, buddy. Thank you for being on. All right. I appreciate it. Let's do it again.